Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're going to be talking about Like No Other Lover by Julie Ann Long. So this is the second in the Penny Royal Green series. Exactly. So the first was about Colin Eversee. Eversee and his seduction of the woman who saved him from hanging. Right. And this one is about the opposite family in the Hatfields and McCoys feud, right. the Redmonds. Right. It's about the eldest present son. Yes, <laughs> the eldest present son. <laughs> the eldest son currently present in England. The oldest has gone missing. Yes. So nobody knows where he is, what he's up to, or if he's alive or dead. And the rumor has it that he, his present state is due to an Eversea woman. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Miles is, Miles is the hero of this book. He is sticking around, at least for now. We'll talk about that a little bit. So this book was published in 2008, so a little over 10 years ago. Oh my God, that was 10 years ago. I know! <laughs> right? God, okay. You were, gonna, you were about to say, you're so not too old, right? And then I had a moment of like, oh, okay, I was yeah. in college. All right, so it's the last chance for Cynthia Brightly, the town's most bewitching belle. Driven out of London by a secret scandal, she must find a grand husband at the Redmond's house party before word of her downfall spreads all over England. Unfortunately, someone at Pennyroyal Green is already privy to the whispers of broken engagements and dueling lovers. Miles Redmond, renowned explorer and, thanks to his brother's disappearance, heir to the family's enormous fortune. Miles set his sights on Cynthia once at a time when the ambitious beauty thought herself too good for a second son. But now he's heir apparent, relishing his control. He strikes a bargain with her. He'll keep Cynthia's steamy secrets and help her find a husband among his guests in exchange for a single kiss. What could be the harm of a simple kiss? Cynthia is about to discover that it's enough to unleash fierce passion and that Miles Redmond is most certainly like no other lover in the world. <laughs> so, Jacket? Not too bad. No, I mean, it gets a point. the point of why she needs to get married. Mm -hmm. I think the, it doesn't touch on him Not too as much. much, but it sets, it sets up the premise. And it's, it's spoiler-free because this whole kiss thing happens in the first two chapters. Right. So that's great. Uh, so as usual, we generated a random number. That number was six, and we used it to create our own summaries. So here's mine. Straight-laced scientist meets mercenary beauty. Go! Mine is marry before the scandal reaches town. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think, I think we continued with the, the theme. Yeah, and we mirror the, the jacket pretty closely, so I think it's a sign that it's a good jacket. Yeah. So, uh, tropes. <laughs> so many. So she's poor. She's poor. She's but beautiful. Poor but beautiful. Um, he is, okay, so he is, he has, he wears glasses, which obviously means he's a scientist. Obviously. So he's a scientist, and somehow he's like the best kept secret of the ton. Like, he goes around and he is the insatiable, talented lover known throughout the ton's widows and dissatisfied wives. So he, like many respectable men, doesn't want to risk ruining or deflowering young innocent mm -hmm. things. Or hiring illegitimate children. So, uh, or risking anyone's reputation. Yeah. So he really hooks up with widows. Yeah. 
they all know what the game is. Yeah. They're not looking for any commitment. It yeah. satisfies his sexual urges without risking anyone's reputation. And this is, you know, we have not talked about this trope before, but it is so common. Yep. Like it's the, this is how the men are like rakes somehow. Is the, and then they're all, you know, oh, I would never, I'm not really a rake because I don't deflower women. Eh. But anyway. Okay. So that's, that is one of the tropes. Uh, there's the, the duels. Yes. Right. So there are lots of duels. Um, you also have Violet and Cynthia are friends. Violet is Miles' youngest sister. And Violet is a handful for her yeah. brothers. She's a handful. She's like the risk-taking little sister. So she's got to take care, not, excuse me, the brothers have got to take care of her. And she's also not as, uh, deferrent to propriety as her yes. brothers are in some ways. And so she's the reason Cynthia was invited, even though Cynthia is a scandal. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's a scandal. She's not quite been exposed as a scandal yet. But she still has a lesser reputation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's definitely... She's a flirt. She's a flirt. She, I mean, they, everyone has seen her as a, as a fortune hunter. Yes. Basically. Look, she is a fortune hunter. All she has to offer is her beauty. Yep. Um, but that hasn't really stopped the... That has not stopped society. Right. Right? Because she is so charming and so beautiful. And she does make a respectable match. Mm-hmm. However... Something happens uh, to this match. Right. It, rumor has it it involves a duel, and so now she's out of money. Yeah. She's been, like, living... She took every penny she had to have a season, mm-hmm. knowing she needed to find a husband. Yeah, she was like, double or nothing, I'm taking all the money, everything I have, every last shilling, to buy myself a wardrobe and show up in society, uh, and now she, the gamble is she's going to find out whether she makes it or not. So she had to leave London because of the scandal mm-hmm. that no one knows about yet. And she gets invited to the Redmond's house party mm-hmm. where there will be a small and select group of people. Yeah. And it's her last attempt to find a husband before everyone finds right. out she's ruined and she runs out of cash. Right. And if you heard our previous podcast about um, the first book in the series, you will know that the Eversees are like the charming rogues. They're the ones that live on their wits. and I mean, they're, they're not poor or anything, but they're the ones who are known as like being charming and, and outgoing. Whereas the Redmonds are the more staid, like they're the accountants. They're the ones who make sure um, everything is going well. So Miles fits that role pretty well uh, in that he is a scientist. He is also an explorer. So he's been, I think, to... I forget where in the world. It's not Brazil, but like maybe the South Pacific. The Maldives? Yeah. Something? I don't know. And it's doing naturalist work. So he's discovered or, or you know, brought He's really into back. bugs and he's, butterflies. He's and... really into bugs and butterflies. He's an et- etymologist. Yes. Or ento- entomologist. Excuse me. He's not an etymologist. Right. No. Ento. Yes. Entomologist. Um, and he saw her like from across the room when he was out at a ball and he just immediately it was like lust at at first sight like he saw her and just yeah he saw Cynthia he'd just come back he was Mm -hmm. tanned it was like after his first expedition yeah he's a little ill I believe as well yeah not looking too great and he sees her and just can't believe yeah that she's real and she is especially mercenary at this point she's Uh new on the scene this was a few years before the events of this book. And he overhears her basically saying, like, why would I ever want to get involved with Miles Redman? would much rather be involved with his brother, the heir. Right. And so after that, he was like, well then, cross her off any of my lists. But he's never forgotten her. Right. And so when she shows up 
in the specter of this scandal. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's like, this is my opportunity to take my revenge. And right before the party, his parents tell him he needs to look for a wife. Yes. And they suggest a girl who is going to be attendance at the house party who mm-hmm. it would be a, a beneficial familial connection. Yeah. So these are not spoilers. Again, this happened, these happen, all this backstory, this exposition happens very early on in the book. So you have two marriage-minded characters. Mm-hmm. But looking for completely different things. Right. And now she's set her sights much lower. Yes. She wants to marry someone who can take care of her and get her away from the yeah. scandal for a while. Well, and I say they want different things. Like, she, I don't think she would have minded being with him. Right. Uh, except that he has found her out. Right. Basically. And he needs to make a match to benefit his father. Yeah. So something that I really like about this book is that neither one of them really comes across as likable in the beginning no. at all. So, you know, he is portrayed as this, like, petty um, person who's, who's annoyed at her for just, you know, being sort of a normal marriage-minded miss, you know, in, in London. Um, and so he's been holding this grudge for this person he's never even had a conversation with right. for years. Um, and then he is single-mindedly looking to get back to exploring. So he wants to leave England again, go back, and make his name for himself. Right. As an explorer. With his books. So he is just as mercenary as she is because he needs his father to fund his next expedition. And she's legitimately shallow. Yes. And not interested in working hard or... Exactly. I'm not saying that... So I'm saying he comes off in a pretty poor light, but so does she. They're And they're both very willing to play by society's rules and mm-hmm. kind of think it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Like these, this is not, I feel like most romance novels, at least one of the characters is sort of shunned by or shunned society. Yeah. This is not that. Yeah. She's broke and wishes she weren't and yeah. very much wants to be a part of society. Yeah. And then uh, something else I like too is there's no tragic backstory. Like she does not have this tragedy where you know, her mother beat her. her. No, her mother was an abused wife and had to run away from her father, and that's why she doesn't I mean, have any money. It's she's not, an not orphan. Like she's an orphan. But, like... She doesn't have much money, but that's it. Like, that's her tragic backstory right there. And his brother's missing, but he's not a reluctant heir. Yeah. He just wishes his brother weren't right. missing, but not because he's incapable of being the heir, just exactly. because, like, it sucks that his brother is missing. So, uh, I think something... I think the thing that I like most about this book is that it presents these characters who, in other romance novels, would be the stock villain. Yeah, would be the gossiping woman mm-hmm. or the unkind man. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure. So I like that Julianne Long focuses on these two characters who could have been portrayed uh, as much more likable as they are in the book. And I really like that. But that's something that you should know going in because they, I mean, you get, you sympathize more with them but they do not really change their behavior all that much. Nope. Yeah. So, uh, something even to know. Uh, I, I think we both liked the friendship with Violet. Violet's a fun character. Yeah, so Violet is a really fun character. Miles' she, little sister. Yeah. She, she knows that Cynthia has some kind of scandal. Um, and she's like, this is kind of great because I'm going to bring her back to my straight-laced parents and they're going to have to deal with this. And Violet is a catch. Yeah. But she's very young. Yes. And so I also think she's an, she knows she's an advantageous person for Cynthia to know. Yes. And just leans into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she is, she's leveraging everything she can to help her friend out. And without really having that conversation. Yeah. And 
kind of for her own amusement, as just well. as much as to help Cynthia. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's fun. Uh, so in this book, he is the scientist, not her. She is the opposite of Brainy. <laughs> I mean, she's not stupid. No, she just has no interests. Interest. Yeah, she has no interest in it, and she has. I think she sees it as like, why would I be interested in that when my goal is to? I would go further and say she has no real interests outside of. Finding a husband, yeah. And living the society life with nice clothes and a nice yeah. house. and Yeah. Like, she, when she's observant, it's because she's noting the quality of the floor and the bed and the yeah. room she's in as a pair, as a, a contrasted with the family's rooms. Yeah. It's also, I would say, a little bit like um, The Runaway Bride. You know that, that movie? With oh, the Julia Roberts, Roberts one? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you watched that movie. It wasn't that great of a movie. But basically, at the end, she realizes that she doesn't have much of a personality. Yes, eggs. Been ba- yes, because she's been basing her personality on the men she's been with. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little bit, a little bit like that here, except that um, it's cultivated and conscious on it her was part. Say, she's very conscious about it because she's like, if I want to live a comfortable life, then I need to make myself agreeable to this husband. Right. So, and so this house party is her last shot mm-hmm. to lock someone down, and so when it turns out Miles kind of knows she's got a clock ticking. Yeah. He makes the agreement with her that he'll assist her and give her like the inside scoop on the men at this house party mm-hmm. so she can better angle her efforts mm-hmm. if she kisses him. Yes. Because for him it's all ego driven. Oh, totally. Like he still remembers the snub from ages ago even if she doesn't. Yeah, and he's like, I'm going to show her what she missed out on. Yep. Even though she doesn't know she missed out on it. And so he pulls her into an alcove, not very far from anyone, and gives her this searing kiss like the best kiss of all time and that shocks both of them yeah, yeah. clearly with its intensity yeah um and after that he does follow through on his promises so he gives her information about all of the other men who are attending the house party yes uh, and she makes headway with two of them well, almost all three of them, of them. yeah, yeah all, of them. pretty much all of them yeah uh but that said why does he fall in love with her is be- I think it's because he actually does see the real her. So she doesn't feel the need to have a facade with him. Mm-hmm. She doesn't feel the need to charm him. And I really liked that yeah. aspect of the book. Well, and I do think in a way, like, they are suited. Yes. With the exception of her poverty, he needs a society wife. That's what she wants to be. Like, mm-hmm. he, she doesn't have the connections his family is looking for in his bride. Right. So it's not. I'm not saying... It's unbelievable that he didn't pursue her from the first minute because she is unsuitable, mm-hmm. but they are very well suited. Exactly. And I think Julianne Long does a really good job of showing how well suited they are. Yes. They have a lot of interactions. This book, we'll talk about this in sexiness, but it doesn't get like super explicit super early. So there's a lot of conversations, a lot of dancing, card parties. I mean, this is a house party, so they like walk around the grounds and they visit some ruins and... Things like that. And they get to interact in different ways. Yep. Which is pretty fun. It's, I, I enjoyed it. So I liked that a lot. Uh, the relationship is a bit angsty. So this is something that Lane and I talk about that we don't love. So I can't say that I like loved that part of it. Because what, they both acknowledge that they are the person that they want to be with. But they also both acknowledge that it won't serve their ultimate interests. Right. Right. Which for him is getting back to his exploring. So he needs to marry... A suitable woman and for her is to marry um a quickly rich, quickly and a rich dude who's going to be around for a while yep and if he marries her he won't be rich 
Because or at the very least, he'll have to finance his expeditions through other ways. Right. So, so that is the that is why it's a little bit angsty. So, so the, the conflict does is relationship driven. Well, and not out, external. She has to watch him court the appropriate woman, and he has to watch her court the men. And so they're yeah. both vocally supportive of yes. each other's efforts, but like dying inside. And yeah. I did get a little bored of it. I'm not gonna lie. That's like the one criticism I have of this one. Okay, is the I'm so tired of watching you hit on people in the way I tell you to. <laughs> Over and over and over. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I really liked the... So how did they show each other they loved each other? Uh, because they didn't say it. It's one of those books where they're not going to say it. Mm-hmm. But they both let the other person know that they were in love. And it was both... It was like inconventional. For, in her way, she she cries in front of him. Mm-hmm. Which she would never do um, in front of a man she was going to charm. Because she knows she like, doesn't look great when she cries. Uh, and for him, basically, she he makes sure that her reputation is upheld, uh, in effect, making it possible for her to marry someone else. So and facilitates it directly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then there's one other part of the book that I just loved, just absolutely loved, and it was um, one of the evenings when they, when they played a drinking game. Yup. Oh my gosh, Lane. Like, th- that scene for me is worth reading this book. Agreed. Uh, I laughed so hard. So I'm sure everybody can identify with her in this yes. part. Everybody's got that friend who's dating someone who has a tick. Yes. And you feel bad because the person's an outsider trying to be let into your group. But that but, person is annoying. And they do the same thing over and over, and it's gotten to the point that like everybody knows it and no one will say it. Yeah. And you have that first night that you're out drinking and the person isn't there or is in the other room, and someone finally just acknowledges someone it. Someone acknowledges it. And in this case, so she, so she acknowledges it, and she makes a drinking game out of it. So It is so funny. And I mean... This, I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's like, because reading about people having a drinking game does not sound fun. It is so funny. So funny. And it's so relatable. So relatable, yes. Like, it, it was one of those moments that I was like, I can see this happening. Yeah. And I can see myself doing this. Yes. Oh, yes. I don't know if I would have come up with it, but I would have wholeheartedly participated in that game. Yep. It's, it was <laughs> a really funny scene. They're all super drunk. Yeah. Yeah, they get, I mean, because she she has this tick, she knows she doesn't stop, <laughs> and so they just keep drinking. <laughs> so by the time he picks up on why they've done it, he is pissed, but they're so sauced. So funny. Oh, like, like, I'm not kidding that this scene, I read this book a long, long time ago, and this scene stuck out in my head um, for years. I mean, it is so, it is unforgettable, really funny, really well done. I'm not kidding that this book is is worth reading for that reason alone. Agreed. Okay. Uh, Offensiveness slash trigger warning slash things you should know before you read this book. Yeah, I don't even want the gypsies thing. Yeah, so there's a a troop of Roma who have an encampment near the the Redman's house. house. Um, And they go there to get their fortunes told. Um, you know, it's just not, not super culturally aware. I think 
the depiction of the Roma happens actually a lot, mm -hmm. I've noticed, in these books. People are either half Roma, or it's, yeah. more often it's like the people who somehow got left behind yeah. and end up settling in with English people and like the conflict between being Roma and yeah. being English and all of that. And in this one, it's not that. The Romas aren't major players. In mm -hmm. this one, you get the impression, the Romani, they that they might be in subsequent yeah. ones. Um, but it's just, in general... It might be historically accurate for the English to not be very understanding of Romani culture and gypsy yeah. culture, but... But but not only that, but they, it, this book plays into it a little bit. It does. Because of the um, fortune telling and then like the... Horse stuff. And, yeah, 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 yeah. It just, it was one of those things that it wasn't a big enough part of the book mm -hmm. to really bug me. Yeah. But... I did have a moment of like, wonder if she would rewrite this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then this is, this is not a trigger warning, but this is, so a lot of times we use the section to talk about like anti-feminist stuff. I think this book is like feminist, but like on the DL. Okay. You know, like, yes, she is portrayed as being extremely mercenary. Um, she wants to marry a man to get his money. Like that is the reason she exists. And so I think a lot of people hearing that would think, well, this book is not feminist if, mm -hmm. if that's the portrayal of this woman but instead I think that it shows why she does that why this was the only choice for her and the fact that he is doing it as well makes it a little bit more palatable right and it makes you question yes he is marrying a woman for her father's money yes she is looking to marry a man for his money and the exactly. different reactions of society to each of those realities. Yeah. So I kind of like that stealth feminism a little bit. I, I liked that. Yeah, I don't think I would have called this book feminist, but I wouldn't have called it anti-feminist. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sexiness. Takes a while to get there. Yeah, so it's a slow I, burn. I already talked about it. It takes, it does take a while. But once they get there, I, I think it's pretty sexy. Yeah, and I think the fact that the two of them are so compatible mm -hmm. really works. And the fact that they are both acknowledging their feelings for each other and their mutual decision that they can't work right now yeah, makes the longing really palpable. There's a lot of sexual tension. And there's a lot of, like, I need to stay away from you because I can't keep my hands off you. <laughs> right. Which is one of my, like, actual inability to control yourself is... Very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's this one scene in the library that definitely sticks out to me as yeah. being real sexy where he comes to visit her and she's smoking. Yeah. Yes. She's, she's, I mean, like, she's just being a bad, bad girl. Right. She's being a bad girl. She's a guest at this house party. She's snuck into the family's private rooms, taking a cigarette, like a cigar. Yeah. A cigarolo, whatever. And he comes in to find her like sitting on his furniture, smoking his cigars. Like looking at his books. Looking at his books yeah. and just kind of loses it. And it's really good. It's, it's really good. I will say it's a little bit no means no versus yes means yes. Like there's, I don't think there's any like coercion. There's no, uh, you, you don't wonder about the consent, but it's more because you are in their heads. Yes. That you're not wondering about it. Yeah, there is definitely a degree of assu assumed consent. Yeah. Which, um, you know, I don't know. I feel like in an established relationship, whatever. But, like, this is, like, their first encounter. And he's like, well, she's not saying no, so that right. means she really wants it. Yeah. Um, I will say the final scene uh, corrects that. 
It does. I also, this is sort of unrelated to the sexiness directly, but so as we mentioned, he's a Lothario, but only with widows. Yeah. And there's a widow at this house party who clearly came expecting him to fulfill her expectations. Yep. And for various reasons, he keeps like not going to her room. And it's just really funny watching her get like increasingly, you coming? Yeah. And him get increasingly struggling like yes. with whether or not to do it it was really funny yes and of course the best part i don't think this is going to be too much of a spoiler the best part is when she comes to his room and cynthia's in there so of course cynthia's got to hide and he's got to send her away because of you know masculine issues <laughs> he just couldn't do it tonight <laughs> i mean it's, it, this is i mean it's great I, I personally i really enjoyed this book i definitely think it's worth reading I, I would recommend it. Yeah, I, as our listeners probably know, I didn't love the first one in the series at all. Mm-hmm. I thought this one was better. I still think I don't love her pacing. Mm-hmm. Like, and so even where I'm talking, like, I really like some of the elements of this book, but I'm not kidding yeah. when I say, like, it dragged for me sure. at certain points. So it's not necessarily a criticism of any one element. I just think there's, like, a certain narrative quality that is sure. missing from her in as opposed to the books that, like, really captivate me. Sure. Like, overall, good. Definitely worth reading. Yeah. I still wish I'd skip the first. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's fair. <laughs> but. But, you, I mean, you're, she, I'm glad that she enjoyed the one I recommended. And, again, I did recommend this book solely because of the drinking game. And that is hilarious. <laughs> so, well, thank you for tuning in. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast. And we'll be with you soon with another installment of Plot Trist. Thanks for listening.